Revelation 12:11 And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives to the death. Welcome to By the Word of Their Testimony and here is your host Etienne McClintock. Dear listener, thank you for joining me on the program again today. I'm delighted to have your company. I have a special guest in the studio. Her name is Liz Branster. Liz, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Etienne. Yeah, I'm glad that you've come and you have been willing to share your testimony. Now, I know you're not a stranger to 3ABN because you have done some work on television and also you've done a radio program previously with your daughter where she shared her testimony and you were part of her testimony. Yes, that's correct. That would have been a couple of years ago, I think, now. Yes, yeah, at least a couple of years. It was just before I actually started here with 3ABN. And uh, I think everybody possibly made the assumption that you'd already shared your testimony. But as we've been talking... It's very clear that your testimony was only a segment of what happened with your daughter. And now finally, after a few years, we get you to share what the Lord has done in your life. Yes, thank you. I look forward to doing that. Okay, wonderful. Uh, Myself as well. I've just uh, had a few little glimpses here and there of possibly what your testimony is all about. And I think it will be very interesting. So dear listeners, stay tuned. I think you will be blessed by what Liz has got to share today. So what do you currently do, Liz? Well, at the moment, I am self-employed. Okay. Yes, I um, I actually have a contract to clean a church and I do some offices. I'm often called to do things uh, for the church. I'm, a train, I'm trained in um, vegetarian cooking. So okay. I've done the CHEP course through Avondale College, Certificate mm. 4 with Sibella Johnson. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that's that's been a real blessing. I've been able to utilise that skill uh, quite regularly for a little church that I'm a member of. Okay. So that's been great. And I also have um, helped run the depression recovery program. I've done that a couple of times as well. So that's been wonderful to be able to share with the community, particularly those that suffer from mental illness, such as depression, anxiety. Yes. Things yeah, like well, that. yeah, that's a big need, and that's a growing need within society. More and more people seem to be impacted by depression and even anxiety. Mm, and, absolutely. Uh, and there's so many things that you can do to help yourself. Um, I've attended a few of those programs here and there, not the full program because there's eight, I think, eight-week program typically mm. it runs. But even just nutrition and the importance of nutrition in regards to all of that. You can eat things which can make you feel better and affect your body chemistry. And oh, it's amazing. Mm. It's amazing. And I, I just I just would have loved to have known these things years and years ago. But uh, I know now, and, you know, today's always a new day, isn't it? Exactly. That's right. And the Bible even talks about redeeming the time. So leaving those things that are behind and pressing on moving forward. So, But it's good that we can learn and grow and uh, be better equipped. And also then we're obviously in a better position to help other people as well. I think that's, I actually think you go through things in your life. Hmm. So when you come against challenges and other people may come to you with a need or a heartache, if you've gone through that path, 
you are just so much better equipped to help them. Absolutely. You can relate to what they're going through, yeah. Yes. And uh, sympathy and empathy and all those things. Sometimes the human heart craves that, just someone that understands or can just sympathize with someone or empathize with someone. Yes. Fantastic. A beautiful soft look or a soft word or an encouraging word. Mm. It can make the difference between somebody uh, turning to Christ or turning away. That is true. Yeah, our words and our demeanor towards people are very important. And I wish I knew that from a very young age as well, the importance of that. Mm. And not about thinking on ourselves so much and what other people have done and treated us, but in relation to how we treat others. You know, the golden rule, do unto others, as uh, we would have them do unto us. I think that one still applies uh, to us, and it's a very important rule to to know and to live and we get to live that because God can actually give us a new heart, new motives, new thoughts, new mm. desires. And that's a promise. That That is a promise. Amen. That is the, the covenant promise. That's right. So where would you like to start your, your testimony? Well, Etienne, uh, I can't start the very day I was born, although that was quite <laughs> a long time ago because I don't remember that. But sure. from a very young age, I do remember a lot of negative things. Mm. Um, I was the eldest child out of three children so I have a younger brother and sister and um, I was brought into a home that a lot of alcohol Mm. a lot of abuse a lot of beatings um, and also sexual abuse from my uncle Mm. and that went on for years so I the first probably 15 years of my life um, I went through all these terrible terrible ordeals yeah, with wow. beatings and sexual abuse and it just seemed to be going backwards and forwards and then of course when I got to about the age of 16 I'd had enough and I, I left home mm. and So as you were growing up during that time, was did you think that was just normal life, that everybody went through that or did you know that there was something wrong? Um, I did think it was normal mm. but when I went to visit my friend's Houses, you know, when you're invited over as a young child, you, yeah. you make friends. And I used to think, well, that's funny. They're not yelling at each other and throwing frying pans across the room or throwing you at a piano or mm. like. I, I did start to recognise that this behaviour was was not not good. Okay. Yes. So you saw an alternative kind of lifestyle, alternative kind of family environment when you used to go and visit the other. Yes. Other homes of your friends. Wow. I, I did. Um, my father was brought up a Catholic and mm. he became an atheist because he said he didn't believe that a God could allow all the sufferings on this earth. Wow. And uh, my mother was actually a Church of England, High Church of England. And from a young age, I do remember her attending church, but mm. not every week. It would be sure. now and then. And were you ever taken to church yeah. with your mum? Okay. Yeah, I was actually. And I do remember a lady in my Sunday school class. Her name was Sister Jason. And look, I can't remember specifics, but all I do remember was she was a Christian. Oh, really? Oh, yes, she was. There were Just things a lovely that, person, was she? Mm, I used to look forward to going to see her because I felt her nurturing ways caring. and caring. Mm. Yeah, I, I actually really look forward to meeting her again in the, in the kingdom. I, wow. I just believe she'll be there because she'd really she reflect. She lived the love of God. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So that would have been when I was a teenager. And from there, like, I wouldn't say I didn't believe in God, but 
I'd never made a connection with God. Mm. So I knew that there was a God out there somewhere. Okay, so you didn't adopt your dad's atheistic view, worldview? No. Okay. No, I didn't. Um, at school, I remember when I was in grade six, and I've never, I'd never won anything. I wasn't academic, and I'd run a race, and I'd always be runner-up. I'd never be the winner, and I had a bit of a competitive spirit. And I remember uh, the reverend of the Church of England Church um, they used to come and do scripture with us every week, and he actually said, look, if any one of you can remember all the books of the Bible, you'll get a Bible. Mm. And I thought... Wow, that's amazing. I've never won anything, but if I work really hard on learning the books of the Bible, I'll win that Bible. Mm. And so I purposed in my heart. So this was at church? This was at school. At school. So did you go to a Christian school? No. Oh, okay. It's just that back then you did have Scripture Weekly. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was part of everybody's upbringing back in those days. Yeah, Yeah, that was part of the public school system. Mm. And so... I got my head stuck down in the uh, index of the Bible. Right. Uh, Not that I was reading the Bible, but Mm. I learnt the books from Genesis to Revelation. And not that I had a clue what any of those books meant or... What they were about. Yes, or what they were about. But I remember being able to stand up in front of the class and reciting all the books of the Bible and winning that Bible. Wow. It was a revised standard version well, fantastic. So that was your first win, basically. That was my first oh, that's win. That's exciting. Right. Okay. So you're, you're in a secular school. You get the standard upbringing education that uh, typical people got at that time, even in government schools. Um, no relationship with the Lord as such, no. but believe that there is a God nonetheless. Yes. Hmm. So in through your child upbringing, obviously, home environment was very difficult um, for a number of, of reasons. Uh, any positive things that you sort of recall out of your experience growing up to the age of, say, 15 or so? Any glimmers, yeah. positive glimmers of hope? Or I actually have to say yes. I had um, one I, – I have a couple of close girlfriends, one that I went through primary school with. She was always a, a very happy person, so it was good to be around her. Mm. But then when I was 14, I met a girl called Sharon, and she she's Jewish. Oh, okay. And this was the very first time I was introduced to the Sabbath. And mm. not that she was necessarily a practicing Jew, but when she was away from school, I'd be very concerned because I didn't have my playmate. And when she'd come back to school the following day or the following week, I'd say, have you been sick? She goes, no, no, I was keeping the festivals. Ah, okay, the Jewish festivals. <laughs> the Jewish right. festivals. Okay, the Old and, Testament festivals. Yeah. yeah, and I'd be like, oh, Really? Like, I mean, I had no idea what she was talking about, but I mean, that was my first introduction to the Jewish laws and Mm. systems that they had. But it wasn't then that I understood that. It was later on when I was introduced to the Bible and the meaning of these things, particularly the sanctuary message and all the... The, Mm. all the uh, festivals related to that. And then that's when I started to think, oh... That's what Sharon used to right. to be okay. keeping. Yes. Yeah. Well, and as you're growing up, you're the oldest, uh, and quite often the oldest will get the brunt sometimes of some of the discipline. Um, how were your siblings? Uh, your relationship with your siblings, and how did they get on? Were they also struggling with the same kind of things as much as you were? Unfortunately, yes. My mm-hmm. sister was born um, with a disability. She was dyslexic and found it very difficult at school mm. um, for learning. 
My brother, unfortunately, at a very early age, he, he started taking drugs. And so there was a lot of drugs in the home and my parents were drinking and I was quite a bit older than my sister, so I don't recall a lot of things, but I do remember that it was very unpleasant and that mm. we really... Bat- we Look, we were in a dysfunctional home. Right. Yes. Okay. So then at the age of 16, you say, that's enough. I'm old enough now. I'm going to leave. And uh, mm. So what happens? Do you go and start work somewhere? Do you go and live somewhere? What happens? Yes. I, I got a job as a dental nurse. Oh, okay. And um, I pursued that for, for a while. And so I moved into um, a flat with a couple of other people hmm. down at um, Queenscliff near Manly in Sydney. Okay. And lived there for um, a while. And I guess that was when I started to realise that things were spiralling out of control in my life because one of the girls that was living um, in the in the unit with us, we used to, back then you used to pay your rent with cash. You didn't mm. get, there was no net banking back then. Okay. So I used to get my pay packet each week with cash in it. Mm. And um, the other person living in the in the unit, we would give the other girl, because she had Thursdays off, we'd give her the rent. Mm. And she wasn't paying the rent. She was spending it on her, oh. on herself. Mm. And so then we get an eviction notice. And this all flared up with this um, young girl. We were like, obviously, we confronted her on the issue and said, you haven't. And it turned out to be quite ugly. She got a kitchen knife. She wanted to stab stab us with the kitchen wow. knife. Okay, so your lives were in danger. They were. But at that time, there was a knock on the door. And it was actually my brother. He'd he'd ridden a push bike all the way from Lane Cove down to Queenscliff. Okay, which, that's quite a distance. And it is, and you've got all those hills down the spit mm. and everything like that. And he said, and I opened the door, I, I just could not believe that I hadn't even had contact with him, and I'd probably been living there for six months, mm. that he would turn up on the doorstep right when... This was going this on. This person's wheeling this kitchen knife. Yeah. And he said, I said, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm coming to take you home. And I just mm. thought from that point, you know, there must be a God because we went, I did, I packed up my stuff and came with him. And when we went down to the bottom level, because we were on the middle level of the of the units, mm. I remember it this taxi pulling up and he helped my brother take the wheel off his bike and put it in the in the boot and he sat there and he drove us home and he was dressed in white and I thought well this is very strange that a taxi driver would be in white and he didn't get grease or anything on him when he put the bike in the car Mm. and then when we got home to Lane Cove where I grew up we went to pay the taxi fare and he said, no, no, I was bringing you home. So, wow. <laughs> so I, look, I've had things like that happen in my life over and over again. It was like the Lord has always been trying to save me and keep me safe. Mm. And I've had over and over again where I've been in life-threatening situations. And it seems to me that it's been taxi drivers because when I was 
actually, when I moved home, not long after that, um, there was another flare-up with my parents and I jumped out the window and I ran away and, of course, I was hitchhiking mm. over the, the Roseville Bridge and I remember the police pulling me up saying, that's a very foolish thing that you're doing, hitchhiking. Mm. Um, you know, there's people out there and I just remember... I remember this guy pulling over in a Valiant and back then you had the bucket seats. There were no rules for seat belts or right, non-seat okay. belts back then. And I got in the car foolishly and told him where I was headed. I was going back towards Manly because that's where I'd been living and there were the, there were the people that I was hanging around with. And mm. this is what you tend to do, even though it might not be right, you get comfortable and you keep going back and to And you go it. back to the people that you know because that's, in a sense, a support network for you, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it's your security, even though it's not safe security. So I'm in this car with this man and uh, we're heading towards the Terry Hills and then D.Y. And he turned left to go towards French's Forest. And I said, well, why are you going left? I said, Manly, you've got to go straight down the hill. And he said, and he looked at me and he started laughing. He goes, you're not going there tonight. You're not going anywhere. You'll probably never see anybody again. He actually told me. He, he said was, that to you? Mm, he actually told me he was going to take my life. Whoa. So. And you're 17? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm in this car in Belrose in Terry Hills and I managed to get out of the car when he slowed down and stopped at a giveaway sign. Mm. I knew where I was because my my auntie and uncle used to live there years ago. Right. So I was fam not familiar with every street, but I did know where I was. Yes, yes. And I got out and I cannot believe this, but I turned around and there was a taxi with a not for higher sign yes and he called me over and he said get in the car and I got in the car and he goes oh, what are you doing in that car he said I've been following you he said I followed you when you got in that car on the spit bridge mm. and he said um, wherever you think you're going um, I'm not sure I want to take you there I want to take you home oh so this was a taxi driver again, again that came to my rescue. Yeah, But you've just left home because when you got back there after your brother brought you back, I guess things were still the same as they'd mm. been previously. Nothing had changed? Mm, that's right. Wow. So what do you do? I mean, that's a tough decision. Do you go to your friends or do you go back home and you've just left home because things weren't ideal there? Mm. Well, I guess at home, even though it might not have been perfect, um, mm. I was putting myself in vulnerable positions where my life was in danger. Anyway, even in Manly. Yeah. Mm. So we can fast forward a couple of years here, I guess. Sure, okay. I was at a place one night called um, Benito's. I mean, I was always dancing and drinking. And look, I was doing what most people did. You right, know, yes. That, that, Your I friends mean, were doing it, you yeah. were doing it, you were part of the crowd. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, you know, you'd have a have a wine or mm. whatever. or That's just what we did. And we'd, yeah. we'd go out. We, we did have designated drivers, so mm. if someone was drinking. So one night I found myself in a nightclub called Benito's and this young man came up to me, well-dressed. I remember he sort of had... Larry sort of clothes, which I thought they were a bit Larry. <laughs> but 
just absolutely, uh, he just swept me off my feet. Wow. And I thought, wow, I've never had this experience before. He was just so sweet and so kind. And then that was it. We left. Hmm. We went our separate ways. And he went to work on the Monday morning. He worked for a company called Computer Sciences of Australia. Hmm. And he went to work on the Monday morning and walked, walked in and you've got a receptionist to greet you. Good morning. And... She, she obviously knew him and she said, hi, hi, Peter, how was your weekend? He said, oh, it was really good, you know. I met this girl at Benito's, you know. And he goes, but I don't, I said, I didn't get her phone number. Back then you didn't have mobiles. Sure. So he didn't get my home number uh-huh. and he didn't know my surname so he couldn't look it up in the white pages. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a foreign language you're speaking now. What are all those things you're talking about? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, he said to this girlfriend of mine, he goes, oh, I just wish I'd have got her number. And, he, and this this girl said to him, well, what does she look like? You know, what was she doing? And he said, well, oh, she was short, you know, about this high, about five foot, you know, blue eyes. Um, her name was Liz. And she goes, I know exactly who you're talking about. It's one of my best friends. Wow. <laughs> she said, I can give you her number. Mm. I can give you her address. Back then... There was no confidentiality. Everybody just no. Told. Yeah, you just give out your phone number, and yeah. that was no problems. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So he contacted me and came around with, I think it was a dozen yellow roses. And oh, Mr. Mr. Charming. Yeah, Mr. Charming, and said, "Look, you know, um, you know what yellow roses mean?" I said, "No," and he said, "That means friendship." Yes, so, so I understand. Yeah. yeah. So he said, "I'd like to be your friend," hmm. and. Um, you might probably wondering why I'm saying, telling you all this. Well, there's a reason. There must be a, there must be there a reason. There is a reason. To it. Yeah, there this is person a must be playing another role in your life yes, going down. Yeah, definitely. Um, he was about to turn 21, and not long before he turned 21, we we sort of parted and went our own ways. But when he was turning 21, I realised it was his birthday coming up. And back then, 21sts were a big thing. I don't know. Sure. Are they big now? I don't know. I think I they're still big, but uh, normally you were sort of come of age and, you you know, you could uh, – you were your own boss back then. But I think now is it 18 or even 16? Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know. But 21, I think, is still a reasonably good birthday yeah. to celebrate. So I thought, well, I, I would have been 20 because I was uh, about a year younger than him. So – I said, well, I need to get in contact with him. I'd like to do dinner, et cetera, et cetera. So I contacted him probably at work. There was mm. no mobiles, remember that? Yeah. <laughs> and um, he said, oh, yeah, he said, I'd, ca- I'd like to catch up with you for my birthday, but he said, I just want to let you know a few things. And I said, oh, well, fine, go ahead, tell me. He said, well, I'm a vegetarian now, mm-hmm. so I'm only going to eat a vegetarian meal. Okay. I said, okay. And he said, and no alcohol. Hmm. I said, okay, that's all right. And it can't be on a Saturday. Wow. I'm going, oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Hmm. We'll, we'll do it on a Sunday or a Saturday night after sunset. So he came to my home and I cooked the vegetarian meal and we had maize on, or I think it was maize on back then. Oh, your sparkling grape juice? Yes, yeah. the sparkling grape juice. Yes. And then we, I had some friends over and then they left and then he started talking to me about how he'd been 
in the world and he was so empty and then when we were together and we 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 were apart he said he was broken hearted and he felt that the best thing he knew was to go back home to god mm. he was raised a seventh day adventist okay um brought up at colo river brought up in the country lots of vegetables and fruit and organic <laughs> produce and mm. he used to he actually used to catch the train from Richmond to Strathfield because he went to Strathfield Adventist School. Oh, okay. And he actually missed the train the day that that Granville disaster happened. Oh. And he would have been in that carriage. So he was sharing all these things with me. And so I thought, look, at the time when we reconciled um, or we'd come back together again, there was a, a mission being run at the Sydney Opera House, um, Pastor John Carter. Okay. So um, he invited me to come. Hmm. And I thought, what have I got to lose? I'm going to go to this. Right. And so that's what I did. I had an invitation to John Carter at the Sydney Opera House hmm. and went along and well, well. So this this young man, um, subsequent to you meeting him the first time, has recommitted his life to the Lord, has he? And now he's telling you that his life has changed. It was empty. Now it's got a lot more meaning. He invites you to this program. Do you think he's a little bit weird because he's going to church on a Saturday and he's a vegetarian, or do you think, oh, that's fine, that's just a? Yeah, I thought the whole thing was strange. Hmm. Um, I've been brought up where, you know. The Church of England Church was right. Yes. Um, and, you know, my brother was a butcher, so we ate meat three times a day. Mm. And my parents always had a wine or a beer at night. So, yeah, it was totally opposite to what I knew. And I thought, yes, very strange. Right. Okay. So you then go to the Opera House. This program's being run at the Opera House. Is it run at, in the evenings? Oh, when when did, the, when did the program run? Well, I remember it being run on the weekends. Okay, weekends. And, yeah. So I started to go to those, and I didn't go f from the very first one. I think I came in, it was about halfway through. Right. Okay. Well, listen, uh, we just have to take a break. He said, dear listener, we're just going to take a short break. Um, please stay tuned, and we'll come back right after this. You are listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My name is Etienne McClintock, and my special guest in the studio is Liz Branster. We'll be right back. Do you have any other words for the word love? The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will He keep His anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards those who fear Him. Take out your Bible today and read this passage from Psalms 103, verses 8 through 11 again, slowly. What word or phrase stands out to you in this passage? Make a mental note of this and come back to this word or phrase later today, maybe just before you go to bed. This is a great approach for interacting with the Scriptures in a new way. When you go to bed, ask God to reveal more about this word and this phrase and how it related to you this day and how it's going to relate to you for this week. 
and how it reveals the unique way in which God loves you. So today, re-look at these passages from the book of Psalms and take it to God and ask Him to show where this is a reality in your life personally. And remember, live your faith and have a blessed day. Dear listener, thank you for staying with us. You are listening to By the Word of the Testimony, and my special guest in the studio is Liz Branster. Liz, you were just telling us about this charming young man that you'd met, and uh, from the time you met him and then just having a short break, he'd recommitted his life to the Lord, was raised a Seventh-day Adventist, become a vegetarian again, and he was attending church, wouldn't drink alcohol anymore, and he invites you to a program run at the Opera House by evangelist John Carter, and you start attending this program with him. That's correct. So pick up the story from there. What's what what's happening? Well, I went to a few of the programs, and then one day when we got to the program, there was this image, this statue, up on the stage, and I that really got my attention. Oh, and it was the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had dreamed of. Okay, in Daniel in chapter Dan- two. Yeah. Daniel two, and so this is where my journey becomes really really becomes alive mm. we have a more sure word of prophecy right so you're quoting the apostle peter now mm. right okay so i really as he went through the the head of gold and the silver chest of silver and the the the, the belly and the legs and mm. the brass the iron the clay i actually recognized that we were living at the end of this earth's history right um, I actually recognise that even through my lack of education and things like that, I really want to encourage people. Um, it doesn't. You don't have to have a university degree. You haven't had to go and study at college or anything like that. I had little education, but I understood that that image was profound and it had such an impact on mm. my life um, to know that where we were living... Yeah. So then, um, as we went through the course of the different programs, I started to learn things about the sanctuary, which I'd never heard. Mm. I'd heard of a prophecy of Daniel 8, 14, the 2300 days unto 2300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Yeah. Um, I started to hear about tithing, and I started to recognise that, um, yeah, that, there was just this amazing way of worshiping God and 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 just how He'd looked after me and and then of course there was other things like a, a healthy diet mm. like I mean just all the beautiful things and then yeah temple is the Holy Spirit's yes. dwelling place and uh, yeah yeah okay to look so, after it absolutely mm. so after I'd finished this program then I was. Obviously, you fill out your little cards and wherever you live, the pastor in that area would visit you and go through studies. And so I ended up going, um, the pastor at Windsor at the time was DK Down. Okay. And um, for those that aren't familiar, he's not alive anymore, um, but he used to be an archaeologist and he travelled the world in, uh, there used to be a magazine, I'm not sure whether there is any more, called Digging Up the Past. Mm, I remember those magazines, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people love them, Mm. you know. Um, They just have so much information in regards to archaeology. So he would come around and study the Bible with me and... 
within a within about six months, I was baptised at Crosslands. Okay, and, well. And I was um, baptised down there with Peter. That was, that was that, uh, the one that I met in the... The night in shining armour, so to speak. In the nightclub. In the nightclub. With, with, with the yellow roses. Yeah. And we ended up getting engaged and we got married. Mm. And we had three beautiful children. Mm. And unfortunately, that marriage didn't last. Mm. And... My journey became very hard. Sure. Like really, really hard. Mm. Um, raising three kids on my own. He'd met someone else, so I had to deal with rejection. Mm. And um, I don't want to um, blame him either. Sure. Because um, I think my turbulent upbringing, you know, maybe my behaviour at times was not... Um, Christ-like, you can understand this message or you can understand, you can be introduced to lots of things, prophecy and um, knowledge and everything like that. But Mm. if you don't have the love of Christ, 1 Corinthians 13, that chapter means a lot. Yes. Um, You can have all these things, but without that love. So Mm. he unfortunately left the church, um, met someone but I was really trying to hang in there. Uh, fortunately, I, I worked for my father-in-law for a number of years while my children were young and at school, in primary school. I used to dub the Dimensions of Prophecy by Pastor Kenneth Cox. Okay. I did that for a long time. Pastor Kenneth Cox, he died about three weeks ago. That's right. Yeah. Mm. And when I heard that, I just, I just burst into tears because... I'd met Kenneth a couple of times when he'd come over to Australia Mm. when my um, parents-in-law were... They used to have a TV station called Discovery Television. Okay. So I had a lot to do with um, dubbing all the... They were VHS then. Okay, the VHS cassettes. (laughs) The VHS cassettes. And my children used to help me put the stickers on them and we were living at a place called Canterbury Downs at the time, which is um, in the hinterland in on the Gold Coast, mm. and we'd go down to Mudra Bar, the post office there, and we'd post all these VHS Kenneth Cox tapes all around the world. And mm. uh, so that was a real blessing. And then um, my children were getting older and I felt that I wanted them to... I knew that my eldest would be going to high school in about 18 months, so I ended up moving to Kurunbong, and that was another miracle how we even got there that's another story in itself so then I brought my three children to Kurunbong and put them through um, Avondale School and you're doing this as a solo parent that's what I was doing wow and it's a private school so I guess it's not as cheap as putting them just in a government school it was a sacrifice I had Mm. three jobs wow yeah I I was nursing I was nursing at the San, I was nursing at Toronto, and I had picked up a part-time cleaning job at Avondale School. Mm. So how's your walk with the Lord during this difficult time? You know, so your your marriage had unfortunately broken up. Mm. Um, Did that have an impact on your your relationship, your walk with the Lord at that time? Oh, absolutely. Um, My kids would have probably been teenagers, and I just stopped going to church. I just... I never um, stopped believing in God Mm. and I don't believe I ever was bitter 
with the church or any or with God. But you didn't blame God. God. Okay. No, no. I mm. just simply stopped going, mm. and and then that sort of spiraled out of control. And I, I was working so hard, just trying to keep my head above water, that I didn't have time for God. Right. But. The just thing busy, is, busy, just, just busy trying the, to survive and provide for your children. With the cares of the, with this mm, wife. Mm. So that went on for a number of years and um, I was definitely not walking with God. I'd um, remarried and that was not to be. Mm. Um, but you've got your children in a Christian school, in a similar event at school. That's obviously important to you. Absolutely. You believe in God. You just don't really have a walk with him as such. Mm. But yet that remains important for you, for your children, perhaps even more than you. You're almost sacrificial in what you're doing for the sake of your children and their spiritual growth. Mm. Wow. I I felt that they needed to be in a safe environment. and Given all the difficulties you had growing up. Yeah, yes. exactly. So... I was prepared to make that sacrifice. Mm. And when there were things on at the school, and often there would be things at the church, I would always go to them. It wasn't like I'd be not going there. Sure. I guess the turning point in my life was um, my father passed away in 2007. Right. And just before that, he, he was converted. He act- oh, praise the Lord yeah, for that. He actually spoke to me on the 7th of the 7th of the 7th, which was a Sabbath, and he started asking me questions. And I wasn't walking with God then, but he knew that I'd, I'd been a Christian and he knew that I had some different beliefs to mm. what so mum had. So this is your had. father who turned atheist? Yes. On the 7th of July, 2007? On the Sabbath. On the Sabbath. 7th of the 7th of the 7th. Hmm. And I remember reading some of Steps to Christ to him and he actually got out of bed. He said, what do I need to do to be saved? And I said, "Wow, um, you need to give your heart to God and confess. And I'm thinking, I'm not even walking with God. And he's asking me this. Mm. And I knew what was right. And so I shared this with him. And then he, I remember him getting out of the, his bed that he was in and he was so frail with cancer. He got out of bed and he knelt down and he gave his heart to the Lord. And three, God. Mo- and three months later he died. But when Dad passed away on the 10th of October at 10 past one in the morning, I was with him holding his hand singing when the roll is caught up yonder. Mm. And even though I wasn't walking with God then, I'd started a journey because a couple of years after that, I myself got cancer. Wow. Mm. And I started to read the Ministry of Healing and just was just so convicted of, you know, health and well-being and everything again. And mm. I remember the doctor saying, you know, I needed to have surgery, otherwise the cancer I had was going to kill me. Mm. And so I did start this journey. But what we need to understand is in Ecclesiastes, it says that, you know, he's got a time. There's a time to laugh. There's yes. a time to hate. There's a time for war. There's a time for peace. Mm. And there's a time in our journey when we're journeying. And it doesn't. we may not have come to that point where we've actually accepted Christ into our life or made a decision 
to follow him, but we're deciding. Right. We might not have decided, but we're deciding. Mm. <laughs> and so then a couple of years later after that, in 2014, um, my daughter was very ill and she ended up going to Costa Rica to get well. She had a condition called ulcerative colitis. But prior mm. to that, I just started reading my Bible again. Okay. Um, I'd been convicted that my life was just absolutely empty without God. Mm. So my daughter was in Costa Rica and... I knew I was going over there because she was going over there for a number of weeks, but the last two weeks of this program she was on, there was going to be a walking tour. And I wanted to join her for that because she was getting married and I thought this is a great opportunity to be with Leah before mm. she gets married. Yes. Um, she's the youngest of three children. So I went to Costa Rica and when I got there, my daughter looked like she had stage four cancer. Wow. She was down to, I think, 35, 36 kilos. Mm. She had renal failure, heart failure, sepsis, 14% dehydrated. 14%? Yeah. And wow. that's, I just looked at her and I knew that she was in the fight of her life. Mm. And I knew I had to get her out of this crazy yoga place that she yeah, was in. because they're supposed to make it better and they're making it worse. Oh, yeah. Well, they didn't realise that she'd got an infection. They kept telling me she was all right. So against their wishes and will, I demanded that we get out of the place because mm. we were on a mountain, Rio Chiripo, the highest right. mountain in Costa Rica. So I won't go into too much of that because some people have probably heard the story, but... The amount of miracles that it took to save my daughter's life. Mm. Um, and I recognise that both of us then, like, if we'd have lost our lives, we probably wouldn't have been saved wow. eternally. Mm. And so... But the Lord has been preparing you through this because you're getting back into reading the Word. You've read the ministry of healing with your own cancer and that. Mm. What's your health like at the time? And we talk about your daughter's health, but what was your health like at the time? Um, my health um, has really improved, like, <laughs> because I put all those things into practice, you know, the okay. the sunlight, the water. The eight principles or eight laws of the, health. The yeah, exercise, fresh air, the fresh rest, air, rest, trust in God. Yes. Okay, wonderful. So those things became a, a reality for me. Mm. And... Um, through many miracles, my daughter was saved, but I fortunately had the opportunity to go to Weimar last year. Okay. Um, meet Dr. Neil Nedley, mm. and I had such a um, passion about the depression recovery, so I went over there, saw how it was all run, became a participant in the program. And so for me, God's just blessed me so much. Mm. You know, I... I I think that his word has so many promises. So whenever I've felt down or alone or sad, you just go to the word, particularly mm. the Psalms. <laughs> yeah, the Psalms and the Proverbs as well. Yes, yeah. the Proverbs, so much mm. wisdom. Mm. 
So Christ became the centre point of my life. I, I started to realise that sin is what causes all these problems. Yeah. And there's so many like simple verses in the Bible where in Matthew even where it says, you know, he came to save man from his sins. Mm. And sin yeah. is suffering. It's yeah. suffering. Yes. When we turn away from God, we don't have any peace. We're angry. We're bitter. Mm. We're self-righteous. But when you recognize that Christ came to this world to be an example of what a true Christian is and to find that peace in the example that he set. You know, he didn't come with a fancy car or an iPhone 10 or, yeah. you know, he didn't even own a home. Yeah, he said nowhere to lay his head. Mm. You know, the foxes have holes and mm. he had no nowhere to go. So um, I started to recognise, I thought, wow, you know, this is God. This is Emmanuel, God with us. Mm. And he's just become, I don't know, where where do you turn? Like, I, for years, I could have turned to drugs or alcohol, yeah. but I always knew that there was somebody better, bigger and stronger than mm. I was that I could turn to. And the word of God is real. It's living. Amen. Yes. You know, he came to recreate me. He mm. want, he's got a plan for me. He's got a purpose like he has for every, anybody that's, that's listening true. today. Mm. Amen. It's interesting you mentioned Neil Nedley, depression recovery. It's amazing over the last few programs where people are sharing their testimony or we're doing some other programs, how often his name is mentioned now and the depression recovery program. Probably in the last few weeks, some of the programs I've done here, a lot of people have mentioned that. Yes. There must be a reason for it. I just think it's a big scourge in society. And we want to encourage people, if they want to know more about depression recovery, they can get in touch with their local Seventh-day Adventist church who can put you in touch with this program, which is run right around the world in Australia and New Zealand. And we know that we are listened to in 138 countries around the world that go online and listen to our programs. So, dear listener, get in touch with the Seventh-day Adventist church there and find out about this program, which is life-changing. And it's amazing the simple means by which great results are accomplished. Mm. So you're a person that can facilitate these programs now? Yes, I can facilitate them. Mm. And I've, I've had the, the privilege of being involved in, in running one at the Blue Haven Seventh-day Adventist Church. Oh, okay. And that was just wonderful. And, you know, you don't just listen. You actually get to taste food because part of the program is lovely plant-based cooking. So mm. um, it's a whole package. It's it's just everything. It's spiritual, physical. It is, it physical. is holistic. It takes in all aspects of our humanity and what we need. It does. Mm. And it's so, it's so helpful to you personally when you're giving to other people yes. what the Lord's put on your heart. It just It just has such a healing effect on you when you take your eyes off yourself. Mm. And you look at other people yes. and the value that Christ has placed on them by shedding his blood. Yeah. Mm. Every person is the purchase of the Lord. Wow. Yeah. We've yeah, been yeah. bought with a price. We say that, but it is so profound, isn't it? Mm. That's, we have God owns us, but he allows us freedom to choose. Mm. It's not ownership as in slavery. It's ownership with liberty. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And what better person to put your life in their hands that's made you and created you? Who else is prepared to die for you? Exactly. Jesus demonstrated that. I mean, that's a person you can trust that will lay down their life for you so that you can live. He knows incredible. every aspect of our body. He knows he knows 
every he know well it says in the word of god he knows that how many hairs are on our heads that's head, right and that know? can change from day to day well it can <laughs> especially when you're getting older yeah, well that, that is true so yes. you go to this program uh, you've got a grounding in the word you've had a little bit of a life journey and you've got really busy would you say it was at this program that you reconnect with god and give your life to the lord afresh um was no. it more of a journey? Is it a specific point or is it more of a journey? I think for me it was a journey. I can't say there was one particular day and one mm. particular time. I just knew prior to my daughter going over to the States, uh, Costa Rica, Central America, I think that is, mm. <laughs> that um, I, I just had had been on this journey for a while and I... I knew for years that I just was empty. Mm. I just had this, and I, I, and I always go back to Daniel too. Right. It's like this, this knock on my heart's door, like Daniel too. Yeah, you know you're living in those toenails of yes. this earth's history. Yeah. The signs of Christ's return, and to me, like there's nothing to fear about the future. Because we know in the Word of God that He's He's giving us warnings, but He's warning us because He loves us, mm. and He wants us to be ready for that great day. And for me, I want to share that with people. I get so excited. I'm about to go to Mongolia in a couple of weeks to run the New Start program. Wow, Mongolia! Yeah, to a to part of Mongolia that's never been touched before. Mm, never heard the, the the gospel. No, and. I get all excited because I that think... That is exciting. Wow, I have an opportunity again to share God's love, mm. the promises, the truth. Yes. And... Um, Truth's important. It's very important. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's my next journey. Yeah, I, I was just reading a text this morning where it talks about some people who had pleasure in iniquity rather than in pleasure in the truth. And I think it's in that First Corinthians 13 chapter, isn't it, if I'm, I'm mistaken, where it talks about um, talking about that. Yes, it's First uh, Corinthians chapter 13 that talks about, you know, those who rejoice in iniquity rather than enjoy, rejoicing in the truth. And the truth is very, very important. All the apostles speak about it. Peter talks about present truth as well mm. in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 12. And truth is really more than just a teaching. It's more than just a philosophy. It's a person. And it's about a person. That person is Jesus Christ. Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. So it's a relationship with someone who is the truth. He demonstrated the truth of God. He overthrew the lies of the of the devil. He made a public spectacle of the devil and his lies at the cross, showing what God was really like. Because the mm. devil has always been going around misrepresenting God the Father. And then we have the Son coming to show us what God is really like. Because the world does not know God. That's what Jesus says. Yes. But he's come to reveal the Father to the world. Mm. Mm. He is the light. He is the light. Wow. So you've had quite a journey, and you've got more of a journey to go. You've got a great adventure lying ahead of you to go and share the gospel. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, in Mongolia. Mm. What an incredible country. And that was a place that was actually always uh, fascinating to me because growing up as a child, we didn't know much about Mongolia. No. It's like a closed country, but it's really opened up now. And they're a unique people, or they look Asian. Their language doesn't sound Asian at all. It sounds more like Middle Eastern, Arabic kind of a language. And they're quite a strong, solid, stocky sort of a people as well. Yeah. And a very proud race. 
Yeah, so you go back to Genghis Khan or Chinggis Khan as they Genghis refer Khan, to them. Yes. Yeah. I was well, there just two years ago. So oh, I guess you've been there before. Yes, yes. Mm. I ran. A, I did the cooking demonstrations for part of a program that was run there. Mm. So um, I actually went there with Leah and uh, he had many miracles, in, in, including getting kitchen knives through customs and through train stations and through all sorts. Oh, because it's so strict with giving, getting those yeah, through. But we yes. needed them for the cooking demonstrations. Yeah. And we always laugh about it, how we managed to get smuggle these knives. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But for a good purpose, For of a good course. cause, yeah, of course. Yes. Well, maybe you can share. Is there any stories that sort of stand out, you know, where God has sort of performed some miracles and, uh, and blessed you just as you've been uh, striving to be a witness for him and be a blessing to others? Well, definitely in Mongolia. Um, probably in closing, I, I just want to share about a lady that came and we, we'd spent hours looking for some tofu. We'd planned mm. to cook this tofu dish because we were trying to show how we could um, uh, implement rather than having meat because their main diet is meat and mm. they're the highest with cardio and diabetes in the world. Right. So we were able to demonstrate a tofu dish and this one particular lady came along she actually had um, an invitation that she found at her work but didn't think it was for her but she decided to come anyway we were sharing the tofu dish she said she would never eat it but then she said oh look I'll be polite and I'll eat it well she absolutely loved it Wow! and then she asked us why are you people here Hmm. and how much are you getting paid well she couldn't believe that we were missionaries and that we were there and we weren't wanting money we were just wanting to share um, the gospel through health Hmm. and she actually asked me if I would go and visit her family at Ulaanbaatar which is the capital Yes. so uh, we were heading there actually the next day and her brother had been involved in a terrible accident just a few months prior. He'd fallen down between two shipping containers and he'd become a paraplegic. Oh. And they don't have palliative care over there. And I'd done nursing in my past. Mm. And so um, when I went there, when we were brought to this family, he was lying on a mattress and he had massive ulcers all over his body and bed sores. And oh, so they weren't turning him and, and he they was, weren't, they'd had, he couldn't they move. Didn't, they didn't know how to do palliative care and I thought, well, he had no nutrition. They were giving him tea, milky tea. That's what they drink over there. I said, look, he needs nutrition. So a lot of church members had donated money so I was able to go out and buy blenders, fruit and vegetables, uh, sheepskin rugs. I started treating him, doing charcoal poultices on his sores and mm. big ulcers just started shrinking and coming away. I was able to show his sisters who were nurses how to care for him. Wow. And, you know, we got a humidifier. Then I said, look, he needs sunlight and we got a wheelchair for him and they started putting him in the wheelchair and taking him out every day and they'd only given him like another month to live and that man's still alive today. Well, praise the Lord. And just before we left from Ulaanbaatar to come home, they all had a steps to Christ and a Bible. That family was just amazed mm. by the fact that we were willing to do this for nothing. And mm. the blessing was for us, really. For me to even see these massive bed sores and ulcers shrinking and for me to see him loving the soups that we were making through the blender because yeah. he wasn't able to swallow, otherwise he it was just going to go down to his lungs. Mm. So... 
you know, he was having his beautiful soups, he was having his Bible, we were praying. And, yeah, so that's why I'm looking forward to going again for another exciting... Yeah, wow. You know, to another be able to... to see the Lord working through some of these natural therapies and then also, of course, through faith and prayer as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. The Word of God. Yeah, wonderful. Well, that's all we have time for at the moment, so let's just take a quick break here to share our contact details and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. Thank you for joining us on By the Word of Their Testimony. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249733456, or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, thank you for joining me on the program today. You have been listening to By the Word of Their Testimony. My special guest in the studio has been Liz Branster. Liz, thank you so much for making yourself vulnerable and coming to share your story. I know at times I could see the emotions welling up in you as you were sharing it. But we praise God for your willingness and your bravery to do that because no doubt other people who listen to these stories will be impacted by it and also encouraged by it because God has brought you through some difficult times. Mm. And I can see just the radiating love of God in your eyes and in your face and we just praise God for what he has done in your life and praise him I'll give him all the glory he's a wonderful God and I look forward to meeting him face to face amen so dear listener we pray that you would also have that desire in your heart that you would want to see your maker one day meet him face to face and say this is our God we have waited for him our God and we've longed to see him until we meet again God bless You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.